Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. I'm your host, Dr. Jessica Hockman. In today's episode, I welcome my friend and audiologist, Dr. Rebecca Lewis. We are going to talk about the most common questions I hear about childhood hearing, including how to prevent hearing loss. I hope you enjoy. Hi, welcome, welcome. We've got a great episode today. Um, I have with me Becky Lewis, an audiologist and also my friend. How are you, Becky? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. So I'm really excited to pick your brain today and talk to you about everything to do with childhood, hearing, and what parents need to know. Um, so first I wanted to start with, can you just tell us exactly what, what is an audiologist? What, what do you do exactly? What is your training in? Sure, sure. So I'm going to focus on, since you're a pediatrician, I'll focus on pediatric audiologists because that's a really special area of audiology. And um, pediatric audiologists evaluate, diagnose, and treat children with hearing issues. Um, a audiologist holds a doctorate degree. They either have a PhD if they're focused more on research and academics, or an AUD if it's more of a clinical, which is more of a clinical doctorate. What are the most common reasons why a child comes to you as an audiologist? I'd say the number one most common reason families bring their child in is because, you know, either the school district or the pediatrician or the family is concerned about their speech and language development. Mm. So they want the first step if a child is speech delayed is to rule out a hearing loss. So that's probably the most common reason. Other reasons might be um, otitis media or ear infections and just seeing how that's affecting a child's hearing because we know that even with like a temporary hearing loss or a mild hearing loss that can be affected from ear infections, that can cause um, issues at school even where they're really tired by the end of the day because they have to focus so much more, use more cognitive effort to hear in a classroom. When you mentioned children with speech delays, that is a common, I'd say that's probably one of the most common reasons why I refer to an audiologist. Um, mm-hmm. But how how often is it really the cause of the speech delay? Do you I mean, I'm just, I'm wondering because I feel like I normally send kids to audiologists, but um, kids end up speaking usually on their own where it's not, you know, over time where it ends up not being a, a, a source of hearing loss. What, what do you notice on your yeah. end? So on my end, I work in a clinic where I really treat kids with, perf- with um, permanent hearing loss. So most of the kids I see do have a hearing difficulty, a permanent hearing loss. Yes. But um you know, it's really important to rule it out because there are, you know, certain school districts don't mandate or certain not school districts, certain schools like private schools don't mandate hearing screening. So these kids can be missed for years and years mm. and they could be misdiagnosed with attention difficulties or ADHD even when it was a hearing loss all along. Would you say that in California, because we have the universal hearing screen, so that is every child that's born uh, in a hospital, they all get screened for hearing loss. Do you think that's helped decrease um, surprises, you know, that that most parents know ahead of time now when their children do have hearing loss? Definitely. When that was mandated, that that really improved um, outcomes for children, because earlier intervention with these kids is so important with to get positive outcomes in terms of speech, language, communication, literacy. Um, So the newborn hearing screenings definitely have made a huge impact, but there are still sadly kids that, that do fall through the cracks or that are missed. Mm. 
as long as we can give them sound, we would expect them to develop really well as long as we work with collaboratively with their, you know, their speech therapists and their teachers and the earlier interventionists. That's great. That's great. Um, all right. So I thought I would ask you now some common questions that I get from parents about children and specifically how to prevent hearing loss. Um, and I'm wondering if these things are true or if they're myths. Um, but the first myth or, or thought going around recently is about the white noise machines. I think there was recently a New York Times article that talked about whether or not white noise caused hearing loss. What are your thoughts as the audiologist? Is that true? Do, do white noise machines have any problems associated with them? I think my answer is it depends how you're using them. Ah. So they can cause hearing loss if you're putting it full blast for eight hours of the night. So, you know, it, my, I always tell parents, I, I get it. I've had babies. The noise machine is like a miracle worker to get them to sleep. But it's important to set a timer on the noise machine so it turns off. They don't need to have a, they don't need to be exposed to noise all night while they're sleeping. Um, also be mindful of the level that you're using. And, you know, it's all about a time-weighted average. So if you're listening to a really loud sound, make it a shorter period of time versus like a lower level you can listen to for a longer period of time safely. Now, what about as kids get older and they listen to headphones? I see a lot of kids using headphones for their iPads on airplanes and, yeah. and going around town. What do you recommend for headphones? Is there a level that parents should look for to place the volume at? Definitely. Not to scare people, but the CDC came out with a statistic that basically ages six years old to 18 years old, there about 12 and a half percent of these, this cohort has noise induced hearing loss because, and it's probably because everybody's walking around with headphones in their ears oh, all the no. time. They're, they're listening, they're falling asleep with them in their ears. Um, anyhow. If you're streaming from like an Apple product, actually, I don't know how to do it on all of the devices, but you can go into settings, sound and haptics, and actually limit the maximum output of your device. So even if you crank it up all the way, if you're going for a jog outside and you want to turn it up to a certain level, it won't let you. You've limited yourself so that you don't cause any damage to your ears. And That's a it's great just a tip. Good yeah. And it's a good idea to... Maybe make things at like 70% of the little line, I'd say, that they have on, you know, when you're turning something up on a device, don't put it up at 100%. They're usually way too loud. Um, another tip, if you're in a quiet room and you have earphones in and somebody's talking to you and you can't hear them, it's probably too loud. Mm, okay. So that's another tip. I'm sure kids that are streaming video games, it's probably too loud. <laughs> That's good. I, I think about this because I I go on jogs often and I almost always have yeah. ear earphones in. So that's a good tip about the iPhone settings. All right. So a common question that I get in my office, and I'm just curious how it happens on your end, but parents ask me all the time, they'll say, I think I'm worried that my child has hearing loss because I'll ask them to do something. I'll ask them to do a chore and they don't listen. Um, and then I'll often think, I don't know if that's really truly hearing loss. It's probably more likely selective hearing loss. Um, but do you get this question too? What do you what do you notice on your end? Yes, we get this question quite a bit. And I'm sure my kids, the frequency I speak at, I'm sure is the only frequency they can't hear. But <laughs> all kidding aside, um, 1.7 children out of 1,000 births have congenital hearing loss. And as they get older, three to 17 years old, it's, um, it's like five, five out of a thousand. Wow. Um, so 
It's probably selective hearing. It's probably feeling comfortable at home and knowing that, you know, you're tired from your day, but you can ignore your parents. But if you find that your child says, huh, a lot or speaks loudly, um, has a hard time focusing or really needs to face you to understand you, um, can't hear you if you're at a distance. These are the signs that maybe just get a hearing test to rule it out. Absolutely. No, I think yeah. that's good to hear because five per a thousand means that it happens, but it's not that common. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Are there any other tips for parents to prevent hearing loss? Anything that they can do on their end? Um, so we talked about headphones. We talked about white noise. Any other um, common reasons that you see children experience hearing loss? Yeah. I mean, our ears get a lot of wear and tear over our lifespan. In fact, as we get older, it's inevitable that little hair cells that are in our inner ears can't withstand all the wear and tear. And we do get hearing loss as we age. So the more wear and tear we put on them at an earlier age does not set us up for positive outcomes even later. Um, so if you go to concerts, if you go to hockey games, places that are loud, echoey, um, you know, car races, things like that, please wear hearing protection. And again, those sound level meter apps are super useful on your phone and you can assess what kind of hearing protection is appropriate. So if it's a hundred decibels, it's way too loud that can cause immediate hearing damage. Um, so you think, okay, if I need to get us down to 70 or 80, wearing hearing protection that has a noise reduction level of 20 dB or 30 dB is appropriate. So like the foam earplugs are really good. Um, I know they're not fun for concerts because they muffle the music, but there are other things if you're frequent concert goers. So if your child plays an instrument or is in a band or goes to venues a lot, maybe even getting custom musician plugs is a good thing for them. So custom musician plugs have different level filters that can pop in. So you can decide what noise reduction rating you need. So like percussionists need the highest level of noise reduction. What about things like earwax. A lot of parents are concerned that their children make too much earwax because it might affect their hearing. Do you notice this on your end to be true? Earwax is normal. It's normal to have sticky earwax. That's okay. It's your ear naturally cleaning itself. Um, do not stick Q-tips in because honestly, that just pushes the wax towards the eardrum. And if it becomes, the only problem with earwax is if it becomes impacted. And then it's very uncomfortable for an ENT doctor to pull it out. It's, it can be done. It's not a big deal, but kids don't like it. Right. So the right. best way, if your child gets excessive amounts of earwax and you're concerned, you can get wax softening drops from the drugstore, like Deprox drops, and you can just put a couple drops in the ear canal, let it sit for a few seconds, and then you can use a bulb with water to flush out the drops and let the earwax come out like that. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So your wax is normal. If your child really makes a lot and your pediatrician notices that it's becoming impacted, then probably trying that wax softening routine is a good idea. But you don't notice it ever, like even if a kid that has waxy ears, do you notice that it ever affects the hearing? Or is there- Only if it's impacted. Okay. If it's like stuck on the eardrum because they were shoving it down. Yes. Or, you know, it's very rare. I see that mostly in adults, to be honest, where it, it's to the extent where it can affect. And again, it's a conductive hearing loss, meaning the sound's not conducting through the system correctly. So once the wax is removed, back to normal. Okay. So for most kids yeah. with the, you know, the typical waxy ears, it's okay to leave it there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's totally normal. It's- 
It's good. Okay, good, good. Um, all right, so this is a common question that I get. I even got this question today. Um, but a lot of parents will be concerned because kids are reactive um, or very sensitive to really loud noises. So for example, um, if a child hears a dog barking or maybe they hear a blender or a vacuum, um, you know, a lot of kids are, are highly sensitive to it. Do you, do you notice that that's an issue of any kind? Like should parents be concerned if their kids are very sensitive to loud noises? No, I think all kids don't like the blender, the dog barking, the vacuum. Um, you know, when they're really little, they are still learning what, like a fight or flight response. So they don't know that these sounds are safe. And even though they're loud and scary, they're not going to hurt them. Mm. So they're still associating that emotion with the sound. They're still learning that connection. If children really continue that heightened sensitivity to loud sounds as they get older, then the audiologist might refer to a specialized pediatric occupational therapist. And there are evidence-based, you know, sort of therapies that they can do to try to make the association with those sounds not as stressful for their child. I think I want to stress this point because a lot of parents are, are nervous that, the, that their sensitivity means something is wrong with their kid, that... Um, you know, that they might be have, you know, have a sensory disorder of some kind or um, you know, that it may not be normal. But but from what I notice on my end, it seems to be such a common complaint and so normal and kids kids and that kids tend to um, and this tends to improve as children get older. Yeah, I think as they learn that these sounds are not they don't need to be associated with stress. Yes. Then, yeah. In general, I know you alluded to this before, but are there any signs that parents should look out for in terms of when to worry and when to see an audiologist? Sure. Um, you know, schools are a good indication if they're school-aged kids, if the teacher is noticing that the child's not paying attention um, or really tired towards the end of the day, their focus sort of diminishes towards the end of the day. Um, if, you know, like I said before, if they need to focus on you to talk, if they say, huh, a lot, um, if they miss parts of speech when you're talking to them or when somebody's talking to them, it's good to get an evaluation, just get a baseline and make sure everything's okay. Sure. And know sure. that, you know, there are things that we can do to help children, um, you know, whether it's hearing aids or other interventions, they work. And untreated hearing loss is really problematic because it can be associated with, you know, delays in speech and language, communication, and even literacy. So it's really important to just get that hearing test, make sure it's all okay, um, because it's always going to help to act faster. That's a great point. So, so the earlier you intervene, the better the outcomes. And getting tested for hearing loss is such an easy thing to do. If yeah. the thought crosses our mind, we might as well see an audiologist. Definitely. All right. So to summarize, if I use a white noise machine, I'm going to try to not leave it on all night. I'll put on a timer. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to protect my kids' ears when they are in concerts or in loud venues. And if we do put in earphones, I'm going to try to limit the loudness of what I'm listening to. Um, and I'm not going to worry about the earwax in my kids' ears. Perfect. Is there anything else that you can think of? Any other tips for parents that, that we haven't discussed? I think these are all, I think we've covered it all. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, 
And for me. thank you. I learned a lot and I hope, I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be delighted if you would leave a five-star review. I thank you so much for your support.